Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. there's an opportunity for you to read that opening paragraph and then an opportunity to take some notes if you so choose. In our passage last, last week we said that uh, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus re- uh, performed was made possible by a little boy whose mom packed him a lunch. And remember we said probably about two sardines and probably about uh, maybe five saltine crackers. So I could have called last week's sermon two sardines and five saltines. I did uh, talk this week and uh, titled this sermon, Here is a Boy. And that's what it says in our passage in uh, John chapter 6. It's not even mentioned, the boy is not even mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it is mentioned in John. And so if you have that bulletin insert, this is what it says. W.C. Fields made famous a line he used in one of his movies, and you know that line, get away from me kid, you bother me, all right? Jesus, on the other hand, said this about kids, let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, Mark 10, 13, and Jesus said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me, Matthew 18, 3. Possibly, The greatest miracle performed by Jesus was made possible by a small boy and his small lunch. And then this is what I say. Our ministry to children is one of the most important things our church can do. I've often been told that the most important room in a church is its nursery. And I think that's true as well. Our ministry to children is one of the most important things our church can do. Why? Well, I got five reasons. Number one, children are important to God. Children are important to God. So I've been watching this, uh, well, actually I finished watching it, uh, The Chosen. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's uh, uh, an eight set, uh, eight series DVD about the backstory. It's probably somewhat unbiblical in that we don't know really the backstory of the disciples, but it's very, very, very well done and very, very Christian. Uh, but I've been watching this series and uh, there's a spot in there where Jesus is at the wedding where he turned the water into wine and he's sitting at a table and there's all these children around him. Can you believe that Jesus took time to be with kids? You would think that there's so many other important things that Jesus could have been doing, could have been saying, miracles that he could have been performing, but Jesus spends time with kids. And then I want you to think of all the children mentioned in God's word and the impact that they made. Moses was an infant when God protected him and ultimately leads the people to the promised land. Samuel was a young boy when he heard the voice of God and leads a whole people as a prophet. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and brought the people back to God through finding and studying and obeying the law. 
David was a teenager when he fought Goliath. Esther was a teenager when she became queen and saved the Jews. Joseph was a teenager when God began to work in his life and become second in command. Mary was a teenager when she gave birth to baby Jesus. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. Timothy is young when he becomes a follower of Christ and Paul is his mentor and this is what Paul says to him. 1 Timothy 4.12 Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but let your life, light be and your life shine in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Children are important to God. Number two, to win a child is to save a life. To win a child is to save a life. D.L. Moody, that was in that uh, story there, the famous evangelist and preacher of the 19th century, after a, a revival was asked, how many were saved? How many were saved? And he responded, two and a half. Two and a half people were saved. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He says, well, two children were saved and one adult was saved. He said, two and a half. When a child gets saved, that child has all their life ahead of them to live for Jesus. An adult, depending on the age, only has maybe half a life. So he says, two and a half were saved. Of course, all souls are important. You know, I was thinking about that Black Lives Matter. You could get a t-shirt that says, All souls matter. And you could get a t-shirt that said, All black souls matter too. God is concerned for all souls. But the longer a person waits, and we know this to be true, the longer a person waits to invite Christ, the harder it becomes. And that's why Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 18. You remember what he said? Well, if you don't, turn to Matthew chapter 18 and you will hear what Jesus said concerning children and concerning belief. Chapter 18 of Matthew, verse 1. This is what Jesus says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, the disciples are always concerned about who's, who's the best. Who's the best? And... Uh, it says in verse 2, He, Jesus, called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's why it's, it, it's easy to present the gospel message to children because there's not a whole lot of questions there and they're so, they're so tender to that gospel message. The older a person gets, well, the more questions they have and the more problems they have with uh, committing their lives to Christ. He goes on and says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child 
child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Those disciples were arguing about who is greatest. Jesus says, hey, if you humble yourselves like this child, you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Point number three. And I think we're all aware of this. There is a moral problem in our nation, in our world, and it's affecting our children. No doubt about it. There is a moral problem in our nation world and it's affecting our children. In fact, a couple of days ago in the newspaper there was a whole article by a child psychologist who was spending time trying to help parents teach their children how to how to live in the current world that we're in. There were some interesting things in there. The kids are watching the news as we watch the news. The kids are hearing from other kids what's happening in our world. And you throw on top of that all of the alcohol, the drugs, the unwanted pregnancies, abortion, gangs, gun deaths, suicide, pornography, social media, video games, and, and to top it out, just the darn old television. There's a song that was the introduction to the TV show Monk. Remember that TV show? It's a jungle out there. It was written by Randy Newman. It's a jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. It's a jungle out there, and it is. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. I was watching a movie many years ago, and it was of this young kid who was being tempted to get involved in all these different things. And the dad was trying to help the kid to, to kind of stay focused, and he, he, he wanted him to, to grow up to be a, a, a good young man. And the dad said, you know, son, if, if you're not careful, you're not going to make it till the age of 21. And the, 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 the boy, the young boy said, Dad, I never thought I was going to make it to the age of 21. I mean, that is going on in our children in some parts of our country, in some parts of our state. Kids are wondering if they're going to make it to the age of 21. And so there is a moral problem in our nation and in our world, and it's affecting our children. And kids are important to God. And we've got our little... Bo prayed this morning, our little, our little church uh, in this corner of the world, we have a responsibility, our little church in this corner of the world, to do the best we can with the resources we have to, be, uh, to, bring, child, uh, to bring Jesus to our children for as long as we can. You know, I'm really preaching to the choir. You, you, you all know this. You all know this. And so that's what I love about our church. We care about the children that God has presented to us to take care of. There is a moral problem in our nation world and it's affecting our children, so we've got to be involved with our kids. Number four, we can reach parents through their children. We can reach parents through their children. Uh, there was a survey not too long ago, and this was one of the questions. If the opportunity for learning for children was not available at your church, would you either try to make the opportunity available or would you go elsewhere? 92% of families agreed with that statement. That they would either try to make the opportunity available, or if that church didn't offer anything for their kids, they would go elsewhere. 
I hear all the time in all the churches that I've ever worked at, we'd like to attract more young families. We'd like to attract more young families. Well, I'll tell you what, in order to attract more young families, we got to really think about how we do church. And I know we've been wrestling with that as a leadership. How can we do church? How can we take care of our facilities so that they are conducive to learning for our children, our youth, and our adults? The number one reason people come to the church, and I'm scared about this, the number one reason people come to the church is the preaching. The number one people, usually people come to a church is for preaching. However, the number one reason families come to the church is what can you do with our children. When I was nine years old, we moved from Bell, California to Downey, California. We were attending, and I've told you this story before, the first Christian church in Bell, California, and we started attending the first Baptist church in Downey, California. And my mom always said, if Grandpa ever found out that we were attending a Baptist church, he would roll over in his grave. All right? But you know what? The reason my mom and dad found the first Baptist church was because not the preaching, not the facilities, but because they had a program that would take care of their three boys, John, Mark, and Matthew. And all of us are, I was going to say young Christian men. <laughs> All of us are Christian men. All of us are Christian men. And uh, I think it has to do a lot with the church that we got involved with. Usually any time, and this is true of any church, any time a church can uh, do things with children, it will attract parents and grandparents. Think about the things that we've done here with our children's program. Sunday school. If child comes to Sunday school, oftentimes grandma and grandpa, mom and dad will come. Wednesday nights, in the summer we have our family nights. Mom and dad come, grandma and grandpa come. Christmas programs, usually all the time grandma and grandpa come, mom and dad come. Camps, vacation Bible school. Uh, when I was at a church in California as the youth pastor, and again, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. I think most of you know that, and some of you are saying, ah, that's his problem. <laughs> but I love kids, and I still love kids. And I remember we had a vacation Bible school, and this little boy named Adam came to our church. And uh, his mom and dad didn't come to our church, and Adam came to our church, and we started telling Adam about Jesus. And Adam became a Christian, a Christian young man, uh, well a small boy really at our vacation Bible school and Adam went home to his mom and dad Mike and Cheryl Markowitz and Adam started sharing what he had been learning at vacation Bible school with his mom and dad a few weeks later, who showed up at our church because they said to us, we couldn't answer Adam's question about who God is and about who Jesus is, so we thought we should come to church and find that out. Well, they became fantastic members of our church, and Mike 
probably in five or six years, became the moderator of our church. Cheryl was involved in children's ministry. And Adam grew up in our children's ministry and our youth ministry. Mike and Cheryl and Adam Markowitz. And a few years ago, I got in touch with Mike when, uh, when I was in California. And we were trying to get together and meet, but we couldn't. But he told me all about the church he's going to and how involved he is in the church he's going to. All because Adam came to our vacation Bible school. Number five, saving children is the best way to save the world. Saving children is the best way to save the world. I imagine if we were to do a hands up, the statistic says this, 85% of all who come to Christ do so before the age of 15. 85% of all that come to Christ do so before the age of 15. And then listen to these statistics and how they go down after that. One in 1,000 after age 30. You're going to be blown away by this. One in 750,000 after age 75. The best way to reach the world is to save our kids. 85% of all who come to Christ do so before the age of 15. That's why our children's ministry is so important to me, to Lou and Lily, to the other interns. That's why we put money in our budget for our children's ministry. That's why we're working to have a, a room for our junior high and high schoolers. That's why we have downstairs, we have a nursery, we have uh, space for our children. I want to read you the story of Robert Moffat. A church in Scotland was at a low ebb and they met at the end of the calendar year reviewing their past accomplishments. Someone spoke up and said, we had a bad year this year. Only one little boy was baptized. But that one little boy who was baptized in that church in Scotland turned out to be Robert Moffat of missionary fame. That church had their greatest year and they didn't realize it. Robert Moffat came back from his wonder work in Africa. The King of England rose in his presence and the British Parliament stood as a mark of respect. When Robert Moffat, Scottish missionary to South Africa, came back to recruit helpers in his homeland, he was greeted by the fury of a cold British winter. Arriving at the church where he was to speak, he noted that only a small group had braved the elements to hear his appeal. What disturbed him even more was that there were only ladies, and that usually is the case, only ladies in attendance that night. And what disturbed him about that was that he had chosen as his text Proverbs 8, 4, Unto you, O men, I call. Alright? So he's wondering how that was going to mesh with his lady audience. In his consternation, he almost failed to notice one small boy in the loft who had come to work the bellows of the organ. Dr. Moffat felt hopeless as he gave the message, realizing that few women could be expected to undergo the rigorous experiences they would face in the undeveloped jungles of the continent of Africa where he labored. But God works in mysterious ways to carry out his wise purposes. Although no one volunteered, 
The young fellow assisting the organist was thrilled by the challenge. Deciding that he would follow in the footsteps of his pioneer missionary, he went on to school, obtained a degree in medicine, and then spent the rest of his life ministering to the unreached tribes of Africa. His name... David Livingston, who actually married Robert Moffat's daughter, Mary. Who knows? Who knows who we have been given as a child that will be the next Robert Moffat, the next David Livingston, the next D.L. Moody, or the next Billy Graham? At the bottom of your bulletin there, it says, don't be like Andrew. Remember our story last week? Jesus says, go find some food. And Andrew comes back and says, well, I got this little boy. And he basically has a lunch. And in that lunch, he's got uh, two sardines and five saltines. Don't be like Andrew and underestimate the lunch of a boy and King Jesus. Five small barley crackers and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many people? Well, we know the story. Last week we talked. 5,000 men, the Bible says, could have been upwards to twenty to 25,000 people that Jesus fed. Don't underestimate the children of the Minatrista Baptist Church. And so I... If you notice on your bulletin insert there, I, I made a line for you. That's usually a tear-off line. And I went ahead and just put the children that are currently uh, people that attend the Minatrista Baptist Church and their children. Some of them are actively involved in our children and youth ministry. Some of them are currently not. But there are, I think, 19 names there, plus our college students, and so we talked last week about little is much when God is in it. Little, well, two sardines and five saltines, is much when God is in it. I encourage you to tear that off, put that up on your refrigerator with your uh, magnet, and begin to pray for our children. And I want to congratulate and thank you as a church for supporting our children's ministry uh, financially, prayerfully, and some of you are involved in Sunday school and teaching. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, a little side note here on our uh, study through Mark. Last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and the little boy that provided that lunch. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about the importance of children's ministry. And like I said, I'm preaching to the choir. Most of us realize how important that is. But it's a good reminder how important our children is. And uh, even if there's one, even if there's one here, we have a responsibility to take care of that one the best that we can and help them to discover who Jesus is. And who knows, who knows, the people that may come into the gospel ministry and into the missionary world and the preaching world and the evangelistic world as a result of the work we do right here in our little church in this little corner of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
Minatrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minatrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minatristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.